I'm Jesse Parker. And I'm Tommy Niblack. Jesse and I are super excited to share with you episode 12 of The, the Faith Chair. Where we ask questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. On today's episode, Jesse and I are joined by our friend, Javen Pitt, as we talk about temptations, past and present, and how to deal with them. If you're ready, let's get into it. And it's time for The Faith Chair. <laughs> And my boy Jesse is here, and we got a special guest, Javen. What up, y'all? Javen Pitt. Mr. Pitt, Minister Pitt, Bishop. Minister, Bishop, <laughs> Prophetic Prophet. Prophetic <laughs> Prophet. Prophetic Prophet. I ain't no regular prophet, now I'm prophetic. I'm a prophetic prophet. prophet. <laughs> I prophesize to the prophets. <laughs> oh, ooh. I'm the prophet. Who yeah. want that job? Yeah. Prophet's prophet. <laughs> Man, you better watch out. You'll be laying on your side for six months. Right, right. I don't know. Yo, so today, um, we're going to be talking about uh, something uh, something cool. And uh, it's it's one of the things that um, I believe, if you're a leader, Jesse's a pastor, um, from his title, you already know he's the prophet's prophet. <laughs> Javen, Javen is a minister as well. Um, uh, and a lot of times people will look at us from the seats, look at us on stage or whatever, look at uh, look at our titles and just be like, well, they must be perfect. Or if they mess up, it's the biggest mistake ever. Um, but I believe as leaders that you're only as good as you're willing to be vulnerable and transparent. And today we're going to be uh, vulnerable and transparent about some of the things that uh, we've been tempted with um, in the past, maybe tempted with uh, as recently as we'll find out as yesterday. <laughs> um, but thanks for joining. Jaden, why don't you introduce yourself to the people? Before we get started, as you can see, he's a cow. You can't see it, but he's a Cowboys fan. What happened last night? Man, look, I got, I'm coming for anybody that got beef with Cowboys. What, what happened last night? Nothing, man. Look, see what happened was I'm gonna just grab my Red Bull <laughs> and just not listen to Tommy. <laughs> Hey, I can't say Cowboys. that the Eagles are not doing yeah, anything. He's an Eagles fan. So. The Eagles aren't doing anything right now. Oh, yeah, you really can't say nothing. Can't we say didn't say nothing. I sent him this GIF and it was two garbage cans getting flooded, like the floodwaters, and they were getting pushed down the street. Um, and the caption, my wife sent it to me. The caption was uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles racing for first place. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. That's literally what it is. But, uh, yeah, Jamie, just real quick, just let them know who you are. Um, Javen Pitt, um, good friend of Jesse, uh, moved here from Texas via Wisconsin about a year ago, and just living life, really. Um, I can't believe it's only been a year. I know, right? It's been crazy. crazy. It's been a year, and everything that I've gone through and accomplished in a year still has my head spinning. Wow. Um... Yeah, without God, I don't think I'd have made it past this year the way with everything that has happened. So, yeah. yeah. So, what's your background in in ministry? Because this is like my fourth time, you know, meeting you. You know, what I'm saying, yeah. talking to you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> background in ministry is more. Um, I've basically found myself. And I know sometimes it's hard. People say you can't find yourself in prison. 
but I found literally I found myself my identity in prison um, did three and a half years in Texas Department of Criminal Justice and when I came out I created um, a uh, not a movement but a lifestyle called Hey You Inspirations wow. um, basically directing it towards men and helping men to get past um, the false identity that society has created for them through biblical standards through biblical understanding um, just getting back to the kingdom explanation of what a man is supposed to be in life. Now, um, did you grow up in a church? Yeah, my father is a pastor. Um, actually, even further back, my grandfather had 20 kids. Um, my father is the 20th child. Um, granddad, I uh, believe the story is his first wife was had 11. She passed away, and then he married my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And they had eight, but she had one already. Ooh. So, yeah. Technically, it's 19, but the 20th child, she's not a stepsister, so, you know, we, yeah. we believe in family, so, yeah. So, and everybody in my family, all the brothers and sisters were either some part of the fivefold. Really? All 20 of them. So... It was a, it's a lineage. It's a long list of spiritual leaders in my family. A very long list. So well, it's one of the inevitable things that I end up in ministry. So, yeah. yeah. So, let's jump in. You, you, you said it. You, uh, you found yourself in prison since you are the, you are the special guest. Well, <laughs> why don't you, why don't you walk us through uh, what happened leading up to that and uh, what happened during that, how you found yourself and then, uh, you know, the stuff that's been happening since you've been out, since you've been here. And uh, do you find yourself, because people will ask, though the question has come up with people that I've spoken to, well, does it, do you ever feel like going back? Do you ever feel like doing that again? Or does it completely stop? And um, I, I tell them it doesn't stop. There are times when uh, the temptation is greater than others. But um, on the other side of it, we know how to deal when, as before, Man. we just weren't dealing with it uh, at all. So that's like five steps. Yes, five steps. <laughs> I got all that. I got all that. Um, I grew up... Um, in your regular household, um, as openly as candid as I can possibly be, um, I got into some trouble, uh, domestic violence, um, was really angry that night and couldn't figure out why until I got to prison. Mm. Um, once I got to prison and tried to figure out the anger, because that night that everything happened, um, I realized when I was in prison had really nothing to do with her. Yeah. Yeah, you know that Is type a of girlfriend and wife. Yeah, it was a, it, it was a girlfriend. That type of anger. <clears throat> um, anything that I've ever experienced in life, you don't you don't do stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's not just well, you know, it's her fault. I'm this angry. Absolutely. You know, um, I love that saying in Avengers when Captain America tells. Bruce to go ahead and get angry. He was like, no, that's the point. I'm always angry. Right. And that's reality. Right. We walk around in an anger that um that um it's so hidden. 
you know, and we don't realize it. And I didn't realize it until I was in prison and I had to go back to the four year old me and tell him it was not your fault that you got molested by your babysitter. Wow. You know, and having to puke up all of the angry at my dad for choosing church over basketball practices. Yeah. Um, You know, and so that night was a really eye opener. Um, Now, when you say having to talk about, were you talking about this with somebody? Uh, I I went in, before I went into prison, I went into determination that I was not going to come back out. Like, I knew I was going to prison. I was fighting the case on the street. Um, I had already planned to go to schooling, get education, and try to figure out why. Because literally, one of the things that that sits the most with me is that the very next day, the mother of my child brings my daughter to me. She's about one. And I'm holding her knowing that the night before, I literally almost killed somebody. Yeah. And the, the the fear of knowing what my hands just did the night before and now holding my one-year-old, I was so afraid to hold her because it was like, this is not even real. This can't wow. even be possible. Like, That's crazy. Could I do something to her with that type of anger? Right. You know what's, what's interesting about, like, the, you know, the idea of temptation and... Um, and sin and struggles in our life is like we and I see this in a lot of young people we work with too and, and you know we, we all recognize in ourselves is like there's a certain matter of level of you get used to it yeah and I think that's what happens a lot of times when people are harboring stuff from their past is you get you get it's just like you said Bruce Banner like he functions in that Function, level of yeah. anger yeah. and only totally loses control in certain situations yeah. and the problem with that is then we blame the person or the situation that causes us to completely lose right. control and we don't ever look ourselves in the mirror and say why am I angry all the time right right and deal with what, yeah. what's actually at the root issue we blame the person who made us lose our ability to control that rage or that anger or that hurt or that right. that temptation we blame you this the yeah anger. yeah, yeah. So, well, you haven't been giving me enough you know attention and and that's why I cheated on you like right and it's always someone else's or some situation or some person's fault and, and we never deal with the, what the thing at, at, in the inside of us that has had us at the, that brink consistently yeah. because we become familiar with it and we become used to it. It's become normal to yeah. us. And comfortable. And I see in a lot of young people, they just have this incredible normality to the dysfunction that they operate in on a daily basis that they don't even recognize it for what it is anymore. And so then when stuff goes totally haywire in their life, it's always someone else's fault or something mm-hmm. else's fault. And it's like... Like you got, you're you're not happy unless you're in dysfunction. You're not you don't feel normal unless there's conflict and strife in your right. life. And you don't even recognize that that's become your norm. You know, and that's right. that's one of the dangers is, yeah. is when that thing is no longer shocking or dangerous to us or doesn't even make us feel weird anymore. It's just normal. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's it's a weird normal, you know, normal because it's like this is what we've been taught our life is is normal, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, and going through the prison system, seeing the stuff, you know, I had a hard time in prison because you know, in prison you have to um, you have to choose a side, yeah, you know, and I tell everybody, you know, y'all think like the Bloods and the Crips and the you know the Tango Blasts and the Aryan Nation was the biggest game in there nah the biggest gangs in prison are the Christians 
really the hardest, most vicious gang members are the Christians. Rip what? They will rip you apart if you're not walking. It's like they're they it's like in prison you have a right to be the most judgmental Christian in prison. And it's crazy that it happens that way. What? Yeah, yeah, and they, they're fighting up over positions. Like you think people fight over positions in in the world? Yeah. Nah, it's worse in prison because you got men who really ain't dealt with nothing. Right. All of a sudden they find Jesus. Yeah. And then now they just want to be these extravagant preachers and stuff, and no one is taking the time to really just sit in who God has saved them right, from. Right, right, right. You know, everybody wants to be the, the choir director and this and that, but it's more more, it's more prominent inside, you know, um, to the point a lot of people don't want to go to church in, in prison. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's bad, but I had to learn a lot, you know, um, it's, it's funny, you know, you don't learn a lot about values and morals, you know, especially being black in prison, you realize that the, the word morals or values is given to a different way in our culture. It's not taught really like morals and values, right. you know, and uh, having to create a value system and a moral uh, compass was hard for me because I got the teachings of my dad, yeah. but as far as like, well, I got the teachings of my mom, but as far as really understanding like it really wasn't like oh so that's what that means right. about morals and being able to apply it yeah yeah you know um growing up is just one of the things you hear that's not what black folks do uh what do we really do then because <laughs> <laughs> you know like and as i got out i saw i saw the gap between people in prison and people out of prison. Mm -hmm. And what I found what was so funny is that people outside of prison are more locked up than people in prison. Wow. And what's so crazy is we live in a society where everybody, like Jesse said, you know, everybody wants to blame everybody. Yeah. I can't get out of this. I'm going through this. I'm doing this, not realizing, say, you do know you hold the key to your own right. prison door. And right. you do know that the, the, the key to your prison door is on the inside with you. Right. Like the keyhole is on the inside with you. What but you're trying to figure out how to get out. Like just yeah. take the key and open the door. What would you say for you was the biggest reason why it took so long for you to deal with this, the stuff that happened when you were four? Because um, I know what the, what the reason for me was. But, and it might even be the same thing. But what, what would you say the reason for you was? The reason for me is, the, and I, what I found out, which is why I created Hey You Inspirations, is that men don't talk. Yeah. And that it's a taboo thing for a man to say I was molested or I was sexually assaulted or yeah. I go through this and I go through that and I go through this, especially being a, being a black man. Yeah, and, and it's you know it's not even that like men don't talk because like the three of us when we get together we chop it up about all kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's that we're socialized into thinking that we're not supposed to talk exactly. about that. Exactly, that we're supposed to be strong and keep it internal and yeah. and you know we're the leader, we're the head. Of household we're a man we're masculine we should be able to handle all of our issues and problems and all that kind of stuff on our own not not that we're immune but that we should we're supposed to be strong enough to not need help right yeah, yeah. and, and it, it's it was that when i realized that when you create a, a an air of 
um, or a space for men to talk. Men will talk. You know, um, I don't know if you know this, Tommy, but I know Jesse does. So on Memorial Day, I was uh, involved in the Pritchard Park shooting. Um, here and I watched these young cats shoot up a park you know and when I went home I was really disturbed over a parking spot over a parking spot they're shooting at each other over a parking spot with children around with children and everything now the first set of first set of rounds was like a gunshot yeah it was the AK-47 that went off the second set of rounds the shot back that was like wow you were really trying to air this dude out yeah over a parking parking spot and what I found out is that it's so funny how how God will embarrass you at the most in tune time because God will embarrass you. I don't care what nobody says. I'm sitting here and on Facebook, I'm under, I'm, I'm, I'm posting it. You know, I don't understand right, right. how this and this and that. Like, why could you, how could you shoot up a parking spot? And I literally, as I got off of Facebook, I walked to my room and I heard God say, you hypocrite. And I'm like, whoa. Come on. Why would you call me a hypocrite? Come on. I know where this is going. And he said, how can you judge a man for shooting up a parking spot and get mad when kids are around when her son was on the other side of that door and you had a knife to her throat? Right. And that's when I understood blind rage. Yeah. You don't see it. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so... The boy, the young boy, he's going to get thrown away. Mm-hmm. Society says, well, he shot the parking spot, but no one knows why he's angry. That's right. That's right. No one understands right. the, the anger that he's going yeah. through. It didn't have anything to do with it. It had nothing to do with the <laughs> parking spot. Nothing to do with it. But we want to criminalize him that it's a it's no longer a mental health issue. Yeah, it's a heart issue, it's a heart issue. And you know, and you, you, and in order for you to understand the heart, you gotta go understand the person that created the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta get back to the 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 the, the teachings and and the understanding of who that is. And so, being able not to talk, you know, or even being able not to express. And I remember God told me, he said, you know, Jay, you're looking at the situation wrong. You're not looking at it on, like you said, Jesse, it's not that men don't talk. The question, I was asking the wrong question. Uh. And he was like, no, it's not how, how do you get men to talk? It's how do you get men to sit in their hurt long enough to get past the hurt? Right. And you they, don't even wanna, they don't even want to be there. They don't want to be there. Like, they you know what? No, I, I ain't dealing with that, man. Right. That's, what, that's what females would do that. You right. know, women deal with their issues like that. Right. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. But also, you're a man that's part of the 79% of other men reported in the U.S. that are killing themselves. Right. Yearly. 79% of men are the, are the, are, is what is most suicidal. That's crazy. In the United States. And if they're not killing themselves, they're killing each other. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, the situation just a couple of weeks ago, um, I went to the doctor's office, um, had to had to get a uh, family physician, mm-hmm. and the lady was asking me multiple questions I knew nothing about. Yeah. So I get to my truck after I left the office, and I'm like. 
sitting in my truck crying because I'm trying to figure out, first of all, why am I crying? Yeah. But I realized I was never taught my family history and health. I was never taught how to choose a physician. And so at that moment, I was so angry because yeah. I'm like the lack of teaching, you know, and yeah. the lack of not having the knowledge to actually choose a physician and not, you know, I was angry at my dad because my dad was the one that, that raised me. And although I forgave my dad for a lot of stuff, yeah. at that moment, I'm like, this and you know and you can see the difference in raising between my brother and my sister and me my brother and my sister were raised by my mom yeah you know they know how to budget they know how to do a checkbook you know things of this nature me I was raised by my dad and it's like um, there are a lot of stuff that I did not I was not taught yeah and I had a conversation with my dad about it and he was like his answer was well you weren't around long enough for me to teach you how to save money like dad I left at 16 I don't know what time you're supposed to teach me how to save money I don't know what time you're supposed to teach me how to take care of my health at right, what age right, right, right. I got went to 18 to learn that I ain't ready yet <laughs> no, I ain't ready he ain't ready 18 yet I'm like but and it's not that I was I was blaming him is just upset that my past choices have not become my future yeah. but have become my present yeah that's what happens. My old choices have become my present. That's what happens. And so, so angry, sitting in the car, crying like, God, I have no clue why I'm even emotional right now. But I'm angry. Yeah. But understanding the scripture that says you can, it's okay to be angry. It's yeah. not okay to react to your anger. Right. And, and, and that's the thing is that understanding that, especially in, in our, our Christian culture, we're, we're taught how to, we're not taught how to properly use our emotions. Right. Our emotions are based off of, if I'm not crying in church on Sunday service doing a worship song, I'm not doing my job to worship God. You ain't saved. I'm not saved. Or, or the worship team ain't doing their or job. Or worship right? ain't doing their the job. Spirit of God ain't thick enough. Right. right. That's the other side. That you, you know, right when here. I got baptized last month, they don't know I think I told Jesse though But I was so nervous Yeah Getting baptized Because growing up Every time you got baptized You see somebody come baptized It's like They come out the water The the, the yeah. angels of heavens They speaking in tongues They doing all this And be yeah. like Bro if I don't come out this water in some type of way, is my baptismal real? Right. You know what I'm saying? Did right. I do the right thing? How come I just can't come out the water, wipe my face, and be like, all right, cool. All right. All right. So now what's the next step? What do I do now? No, yeah. nothing. Just walk off. And we, we, and again, it goes back to something we talked it. about uh, on one of the first podcasts, which was this idea of like we become so focused on external behavior. Mm -hmm. Yes. So like it, it, again with the emotions, all we're taught is that's a good emotion, that's a bad emotion. But what do you, how, what do you do when you're in the bad emotion? What do you do in the bad space? People, people are told, oh, that's bad, that's negative. You can't. So then they just run away from it, right? Instead of understanding it, instead of dealing with it, instead of using 
losing it. Like there are no bad emotions. The Bible says that God is jealous, says that he gets angry. So like there are no bad emotions. It's about what we do with those emotions. It's how we use them. It's how we process them. But instead we're given this like yes list and this no list. And we're not taught how to deal with the fact that in life you're going to have the both are going to happen. Both are going to happen. Temptations are going to happen. Sin is going to happen. Failure is going to happen. Anger is going to happen. Disappointment. Sadness, all of those things, you're gonna go through those things, and because we're not taught to deal with them, we're just taught to avoid them. We we, we never learn how to process it. We and most people, like you said, they never get past it. They never they're never willing to stay there long enough yeah. to get past it because they're told to be afraid of it and run away. And that's where I'm at. You know, so funny. We talk. We're talking about you know the temptation and stuff, and like <clears throat> all my life, I've been taught. Growing up, I've been taught like it's a sin to drink, it's this and that, and now, or it's a sin to do this, it's a sin to do that. Like, I know sometimes, like, you have no idea. Like, the other last Sunday, I literally was tripping on myself because, like, I am laughing in my head because I was afraid to sit down and worship God because all your life, if you don't stand up and praise God, then you're not doing it. But why can't I sit down and praise God? God. Yes. What if my knees is hurting and I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got to sit. I can't, you know, or like or even that that type of stuff or like and now i'm in a point in my life now where i'm asking the questions am i doing what i'm doing for god because i've been taught a set of rules and i'm obligated or am i worshiping god because i want to worship god yeah you know what i'm saying and it's like and even if i make a mistake even if i do sin am i supposed to like god can't i can't do it i'm this i'm beating myself up and this you know what i'm saying and like or am i you know what god i've been doing this for almost however many long years i don't think i'm gonna get over it overnight yeah you know or you hear people say you know and you know God can do it, but you're like, you know, I, I pray God for me to stop smoking and I just smoke. I never had another taste. And you look at them and be like, there's no way in the world you can tell me right, right. that you just instantly overnight. And that's not saying that God can't do right. it, but it's like we've that's, created that's all the time, right? we've created a image that makes it like God is instantaneous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he is, but not with everybody. That's right. And not with everything. And not, and with, not with everything. everything. Because everything is not that simple right. everything is a process you know and temptation is out there every day yeah every day mm-hmm. now, i have a and i didn't realize this until later on but anger is one of my uh one of the things that god is dealing with me uh on all the time all the time and it's basically for me it stems from not feeling like i'm in control Right. You know what I'm saying? Just how we were raised and everything about my life was controlled. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So now I'm like, I want control. And if I don't have it, I'm angry, mm-hmm. you know, and um, the Lord is always dealing with me. And it really shows up like when I'm driving. <laughs> now nah, you're, you're the only one because for some people, some reason, the people in Seattle have no idea of driving skills whatsoever. Doc, I thought it was just me. 
No, let's, let's be fair. Give me my wife. I just read an article where they broke down the demographics and they said we've now reached the point where there are more non-Washingtonians in Washington than Washingtonians. That's got to be what so it is. As as I have been for the last ten years, I blame it on all the Californians who moved up here. Ah! Okay, well, good because it ain't from the south. <laughs> People like man, people from Washington don't have to drive in the rain. I'm like, it's, they're not it's, from Washington. It's a California. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what it's so, yeah, for real. Because I'm like, look, y'all were born in rain. Y'all should be like half you should duck. Know how to do this. Like, right. you got web feet. You got web you feet. You should be half duck. You can walk in the rain. Like, it should not be an issue. Oh man. But it, it was harder. The thing that I thought would I would never, um, never be over. And uh, God actually um, helped me with this one day. We, before we were moving here, mm-hmm. I was we were packing up everything, and I found a journal that uh, I had written some stuff in, and, uh, and I think it was 2006. And I, that kind of stuff for me is like pictures. If I'm doing anything and I find some pictures, I'm stopping everything, and I'm right. looking at pictures. <laughs> there goes my day. Um, but I picked up the journal, and I started reading... Uh, one of the entries and it said um, I don't know if I'll ever be delivered from pornography I don't know if God can help, if God can fix me I want to please him I want to be used by him but I fear this is something that will hold me back from that I don't know if I'll ever be delivered and I just sat there like you gotta be kidding me and so I called my mom I was like babe you gotta come here and read this and she was like oh my god this is not you anymore and uh, the Lord did deliver me. So see, that was 2015. But in 2006, I I had just come. I I literally stopped that year, hanging out after gigs, and trying to find women. From 2000 to 2005, I was cheating on my wife, hooked on pornography, lying, all kinds of stuff. 2006, I was like. Ah. I gotta stop this. I gotta stop. But pornography was still that thing that I, that right. I kept going back to. And uh, it wasn't until after I told my wife what was going on, and uh, God delivered me from a lying spirit, and He delivered me from pornography. That was 2007. So the year after, I had put, I had written that down. But like I said earlier, it was a daily thing, and it was sometimes the temptation is greater than other days. You know what I'm saying? To to um, to look at pornography. It's like a weight on my shoulder some days. And other days, it's like an ant crawling across the floor. You just kill it and it's, it's done. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's been years. Years. And sometimes it'll happen and the Lord will be like, hey, what are you doing? And I'll turn off the TV or turn off or, or put my phone down and go do something else. Yesterday, and I haven't looked at it in I don't know how long, but yesterday I was in the studio and I was like, mm, I want to look at some porn. I don't even know why. I can't even tell you why. The second I, I type something in, my daughter comes home, Jesse texts me. I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm shutting this joint down. Yeah. But I was shaking, Joe. I was shaking. I told Jesse, Jesse, I almost slipped up just now, and I'm still shaking. I'm still, he was like, but you almost. Praise God for the almost. I was like, yes, I'm praising God. I'm no, praising for the almost. That's so crazy you said that. Because we, I don't know what I was watching, and 
don't thank God enough for the almost. For the almost. Because right. it's the it's in the almost that like, oh God, I thank you for allowing me to do this. Right. And it's like in the action of and it's like <gasps> Right. Ooh, okay, Why I almost did that. Yeah. We get we get so focused on the fact that I oh man, I'm so terrible, I almost did that. Right. right. We missed the fact that we oh, well, I almost did that. But you didn't. We didn't do it. And that's one of the things I was I was talking to a person yesterday and I asked him a question. I said, Is there a is there a difference between good jealousy and bad jealousy? Yeah. And it was like, there's nothing good about jealousy. I said, but life is like a battery. You can't have a negative without a positive. Mm-hmm. You can't, and so you—it's almost like it's like things in life we have to look at, and it's like you said, we're so yes. focused on the negative, like oh my god, I almost did that, versus like oh, I almost did that, I walked away, but from I didn't, and, and then, but you know, and Thank you, Jesus. think about how many times if we got into the almost and be like you know what, God, because of your strength, the one that I'm weak in, but you're stronger you're in, strong and right. because of that. I was able to, at that moment, make a decision and to walk away. I almost messed up, but thank you for even the almost, Mm -hmm. you know, and that almost eventually turns into a solid foundation of, you know what? It doesn't even bother me no more. That doesn't mean it doesn't come back up. It just means that, you know what? Hey, I've been there. I know the consequences. I remember when I almost messed up, Right. you know, but now I'm stronger. We're looking for the, you know what? I'm going from not doing it to from doing it to not doing it. Right. And one thing I tell people is like, we're so focused on trying to get from A to B that we missed the part about going to A.1. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to just get to A.1. I can care. I'll get to B eventually. Yeah. You know? Somebody asked Betty Ruth, how, well, how does it feel to be, uh, or uh, what's your secret behind hitting so many home runs? Uh, and I'm messing it up, but it's, in the vicinity, he said, "Just go from base to base. Okay. Just hit one. Just hit run. one. <laughs> hit hit one ball at a time. Get from one base to the next. It's not always a home run. And um, and I thank God for for people that I can. Because in that in that same time yesterday, I was like, I can't tell nobody. I need to tell somebody. I gotta tell some. You know what I'm saying? And then Jesse texted me. I was like." Perfect. The Lord set this up because I'm just going to tell him, yo, it almost happened. Right. You know what I'm saying? And the tendency is for guys to be like, ah, oh, especially pastors, especially leaders, people in ministry. I can't tell anybody that this happened because they're going to look at me differently. They're not going to trust me. They're not going to listen to what I'm saying now. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard uh, uh, on a podcast, this guy, Kerry Newhoff, said that people are attracted by your strengths. But they resonate with your weaknesses. They I resonate with your weaknesses. I found that out on Hey You Inspirations when I was um, when I was posting a lot of stuff that the bluntness and the um, <clears throat> the the rawness of what I put out there, people feel like oh someone that actually has gone yeah. through what I've gone through because we 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 live in a society where everything has to be alone. We have to do things myself. alone, myself. Yep. But like those who read the Bible, like I don't know if like we read the Bible from Genesis all the way to James, and then we like forget all the Peters and Johns at the end. 
Because literally Peter says, bro, don't chill out. There is someone out there that is just like you. Yeah. That is going through what you're going through or has gone through what you're going through. You're not the only one. And for society, it's, it's, it's funny too. Like when, when you, um, so one of the things God's been really trying to teach me recently is like, is just this idea that. Uh, he answers so many prayers and we don't even recognize it because yeah. his answers don't come in the way or the time that we expect them to. Yeah. And, and kind of like the classic example I've been uh, trying to teach our youth is like, you might be praying for God to bring peace in your life and then and then a friend, like you get into a fight or a conflict with a friend and they leave your life and you don't you're you're mad at god or you're hurt why did this friend abandon me or or backstab me or leave me or treat me bad or whatever but you don't realize that that friend was the friend who was stealing all the peace of your life right right and so he's been he's really been challenging with like pay like see open your eyes and see how i'm working in your life yeah. be willing to see past the expectation of the picture you had when you pray and it's funny just That's how great. powerful that positivity is everybody everybody was clowning and, and i and i laughed too like everybody was like why did they mic up russell wilson like last night why was he the mic'd up player on monday night like, uh, of all the players you could have chosen on both teams you chose russell wilson and and it's just he's so cliche and just he's just like Pete carroll right unendingly positive but it, it, it's it's not a positivity that ignores the failures it's just choosing to see the positive in every situation even when we fail seeing something positive out of it and so like when, when we fail or when we get close to failing or when we feel like we failed or we've sinned or or we've fallen back into that thing or you know we've we've fallen short of, of our standard or God's standard or whatever instead of focusing on the part where we failed and beating ourselves up if we can focus on the positivity of it, pos- the, pos- yeah. the, the positive part of it may only be that, hey, God will forgive me for this as I repent. But it also could be, hey, man, yeah, you struggle with that thought, but almost. Yeah. You didn't go all the way. What else? Like this time, this, this, time, this time you didn't, you didn't yeah, go almost. all the way. And that's, I, I try to encourage, you know, people, anytime I talk with them or we do discipleship or with uh, the youth or whatever, it's like, dude, celebrate the small steps. This ain't going to happen overnight. Right. Like, you don't change life patterns overnight. And it's a life. The, it was a life pattern. The, yeah, the reason yeah. most people fail in making major life changes is because they don't celebrate the small victories. Yeah. The small victories that, that don't look like winning the war because they're not. And the small victories that happen even in the midst of defeat. But they're small victories and those things can build along the way until you really achieve success. And, and I think I think to me that's what like I pull away from like the mic'd up thing with Russell Wilson. Like what every, everybody's it's just him, just always positive no matter what's happening in the game. All this mic'd up, we're like, let's go, boys, let's go. We can do this. No quit, no quit, go hard, go hard. He's like, he's just as walking, talking like coach cliche, right? <laughs> like uh, like he's basically like a football player, uh, life coach type of person, <laughs> right? And, and, and so people are like, kind of, but I'm like, you're clowning on the very thing that has made him so successful. Right. Being the only quarterback in NFL history to have eight straight winning seasons to start his career. Like, and it's just like, it's like, look, this is a part of what's made him successful. This is a part of what's made Pete Carroll a successful coach, made the Seahawks successful. So it's like you clown on it, 
But then it's like, if you think about it, what would our lives look like if we all approached our own life and our own struggles with that much positivity? Yeah. There's, I've Don't seen, give up. We fumble. I, yeah, I've Don't seen, I've seen, yeah, exactly. I've seen several articles recently talking about how uh, choosing to have joy in the midst of the trials versus um, someone who complains a lot, it actually rewires your brain. It changes your brain chemistry and how your brain processes future input. So if you complain a lot, you're literally wiring your brain to only be able to react to situations that way. So then you start having when even good things and positive things are happening, you're complaining. Yeah. Because you've wired your brain that way. And so it's like there's this thing where we have to understand and we were talking about this on the mental health uh, panel, that like the things that are true biologically and scientifically in, in the world are all part of God's creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we In the church we've been so afraid of science and we've been so afraid of of the sciences and behavioral science and all this kind of stuff because because it's become so anti-religion anti-faith but at the same time like this is my god's creation and he called it good he created all these systems he He made our brains so that that was true because he understood if i can if i can get you guys to be positive about things you're actually going to set your brain up Mm -hmm. to praise me and to be positive even in the midst of your struggles which is going to help you grow and succeed and so like we we clown and we laugh at people who have that kind of like unending uh, positivity in the, even in the midst of struggle and yet they're able to deal with things yeah. and find success so much yeah. better than we are it's like maybe we should stop clowning and start learning one of the yeah. other things they, they they did a scientific study on people who have disciplines in place mm-hmm. uh, routines in place that when um, life throws them a curveball and things aren't going like they had hoped they would go, they fall back into their routine. They fall back into their discipline. Yeah. Oh, I got laid off. Well, at least I can do my five o'clock in the morning routine. They fall back on that and they find that those people are way more positive and get back on their feet faster than those who have who have no routine and no discipline. Yeah. So both kind of go hand in hand. Like mm-hmm. with the pornography, I could, I should have been doing should have been cleaning the house i should have but instead i chose to spend that time doing this i didn't have any disciplined routines any constructively disciplined routines and routines to fall back on yeah now it's almost like what jesus said the man gets delivered from a demon but if he does not replace with me yeah where that demon was and he just leaves his house open seven more are going to come even worse and they're going to be he's going to be in even worse situation than he was before yeah we don't replace we don't replace uh those bad habits with the good ones we don't replace the wrong word with the right word we don't replace the wrong truth with the right truth and we find ourselves back in those situations and I think it's funny because I think you just said it we we use the term good habits and bad habits right yeah but what we don't understand is that our bad habits are disciplines they, they are, are disciplines routines. right they're just routines they're just routines they're not constructive that are not constructive that's right but we're we're just as like when we're uh, uh, take a cigarette smoker for instance extremely disciplined and routine that's right every 15 minutes i gotta get that hit of nicotine i gotta go out and i gotta take a break and i gotta smoke a cigarette 
Right. They're incredibly disciplined about it, right? They're more disciplined than than the, the Muslim who prays five times a day mm-hmm. because they smoke twelve cigarettes a day, mm-hmm. and it, and it's usually very systematic about what time of day that happens. That's a bad habit. What we can also call it a bad discipline. It's a routine that we create right. for ourselves. And if we really thought about it, the negative things in our life, the addictions, That's the right. uh, time wasters, the procrastination, the laziness, all of them are actually <laughs> incredibly disciplined and routine. Because nothing's going yeah. to stop us. It's like, have you seen that commercial where uh, uh, I think one of them, a guy is sitting down and all of a sudden he's ripped out of the chair. And then he's dragged out the house. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's dragged onto the onto the steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The and you finally see yeah. it's a cigarette that yeah. dragged him out. That yeah. that drug him out there. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's literally what Paul has been was saying in Romans. We're a slave to the thing that we choose to obey. And pornography was literally dragging me out of the seat, dragging me into the basement, dragging me to the computer, and. Um, it's, it's the same it's the same thing nothing was going to stop me it was where I was going with this yeah. nothing was going to stop me from doing that yeah nothing is going to stop yeah. a smoker from getting there oh, 15 minutes I gotta go outside yeah 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 it's 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 an, it's an addiction or or whatever but it forms routines that um, sometimes are there's more discipline in it than you find in disciplining like people who are living successful and have positive routines in their life. Yeah. It's actually pretty incredible, but we don't think of it that way because we like to think of ourselves as being victims. We don't like to think of it as of like, I am giving myself to this routine and I'm establishing this routine. And, you know, like one of the things with, you know, addiction that uh, people don't understand is like, you can, you can get free it's kind of like uh, one of my pastors used to say, like, you can't just pray for somebody to get healed of cancer. You got to pray for what that cancer has already done to their body. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, like you, yeah, can, yeah. You, you can set things in place and you can get free of the temptation to watch pornography mm-hmm. or to look at pornography or to smoke a cigarette or to need to be high to function. You can get free. Of, but but you also have to deal with the physical ramifications that you have disciplined and trained your body for this. Right. Your body is so now. Yeah. So what, so what happens when your body starts itching for that endorphin release that you used to get when you used to masturbate? Right. What happens when your body get you get stressed and your body wants that nicotine? Nicotine rush to calm down. Right. Like you stopped smoking, but you still have to reprogram the discipline of your body and of your mind to really actually get free. And to me, that's that's the that's the that's always the thing that drug me back in my struggle. Yeah. Was it wasn't it wasn't the need to watch something, it yeah. was my body's need for the experience. Wow. For that satisfaction. Right. Yeah. And I think that's that's a lot of places where people where where addiction um, is difficult for people to overcome. It's not that they don't want to and understand that what they're doing is bad. It's the physical thing that you train your body right. to need or to want or this is how I cope with things. That's why, do, why do people like, oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm an alcoholic. I need to stop drinking. It's a negative thing in my life. But if you were drinking to deal with stress in your life and you don't create a new discipline to deal with stress in your life, eventually right. you're going to end up right. tossing that drink back again. Right. right. You know, <laughs> and, and you know, it's so funny you say that because like I had a habit of every time my child support hit type thing, I would quit my job. Wow. Every time. You know. This joker. <laughs> 
you know, and it's just it's, it's those things, and you know, especially like you don't never want to put a blame on a on 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 a set of people, especially like we always say, well, it's the church that did this, and the church that oh, did wow. that, and it's yeah. the church that did this. Sooner or later, we have to start looking at ourselves in the mirror and like, mm-hmm. what am I not doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because the church has been the church for how many millennials? Mm-hmm. You know, and when you start putting the blame on someone else, you take away the ability. Yeah, you take away the responsibility that's on you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it's hard. It, it, it really is, especially dealing with things that are not to be used. You know, in the church, like you hear pastors say on the on in the pulpit. Well, you know, I dealt with pornography. <gasps> But it's like uh, <laughs> Okay, there we go. There's something else running right now? Nope, nothing else running. Jeez. But yeah, you know, and it's just temptation is out there. What we have to start learning is that we have to stop not reading our word and understand that he went through every single temptation so that we understand how to overcome it. And I used to, well, and not only that though, be realistic about that. Be real. Be real about it. Yeah. Like one of the things I I was a guy in prison. That's why I say the church was vicious in prison. There was a guy in prison that he argued me up and down. I can't say this about Jesus. Yeah. And I'm like, so you're telling me Jesus being a human never got aroused or never had right. an erection or anything like him being right. human. Like he was almost about to give up and sweat blood because he was so scared to die. Right. He was human. Very human. So Very tell human. me that's the Respond. only temptation he never overcome right. so that we can't. You're like, no, no, that's Jesus. Jesus was holy and this and that. And like, bro, look, Jesus was a man. The, the Je- Bible literally <laughs> says that he, he was tempted in every way. In every way that we are so that's that right. he could be the sacrifice for us. Let a woman walk past Jesus with the good smelling with her alabaster box on. That would be good smelling with her alabaster box. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. She's got, daddy, I need you to help me because she's smelling good. But I know I came here for a reason to die for these he people. He saw that woman in the world was like, I could be her sixth husband. <laughs> Jesus, I got some for you. I was with the, I was with the Lord when He made you. Well, look, yeah, yeah, we understand enough about celebrity culture to understand that there was, there was probably lots of stuff getting thrown at Jesus. Man, right. a lot of stuff. The frame and the crowd. Like, oh, girl, that's Jesus. Let me go holler at him real quick. Seen when you healed that boy. <laughs> You know, and even like you, it was so crazy because like even if you look at the story, like we're so on that even that story, like we would be so focused on the woman at the well, like yeah. no one ever questioned why they came back and was like, why Jesus with that woman? Right. Because he's Jesus, he a man. Like, oh, we got to stay away from this and that. It's right. like, okay, I get it, but it's like you have to. There's there's not a temptation in the world. That we cannot overcome. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And and although we as as followers of Christ and as the ones that are even in leadership position, we we as humans put humans on this pedestal. Switch. And, and and like if if we make a mistake, I can't talk to him no more. Right. right. I can't do everything that no more. Right. But Just you take care first. 
two cuts in yeah, one episode. Yeah, this is a first. James oh, this is a first. This is a face share first. See, Pastor West wasn't going to cancel his appointment. He said he already had one when he was on. <laughs> nah, I'm going to cancel. I'm going to cancel. I'm going to get this right in. But, like, even with that, like, you have to, we, we criticize. When you, when you unnormalize the people in the Bible and forget that everybody that had some type of whatever in the Bible were just basic. Yeah, like it's okay they were, yeah, for you to just people. Yeah, they're just people. It's okay for you, like for our society now. It's okay to talk bad about a pastor, but you'll never talk bad about David what he did with Bathsheba. Yeah, right. like King he David, the greatest worshiper in the Bible. Yeah, that's so like he was the greatest, greatest. Huh? Like so, I mean, let's let's, let's break that down. <laughs> like he was supposed to be somewhere he wasn't. You hear what I said? Yeah. He, he was supposed to be somewhere, somewhere that he that wasn't. He was, yeah. During the time where kings were supposed to be at yeah. war, he was at home. He Why? Because he thought he'd already... He yeah, was like, I'm good. I I'm wanted good. another war. They right? sing songs about me. I'm, I'm solid. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I'm King David He saw in his uh, Quote unquote Pornography type way During that time He was yeah. like Oh she naked And she bathing Say, And bro. she bathing And she bathing Like she just coming off Her situation Like And then like He gonna send somebody So now he's included Someone into his Into his sin Yeah He gonna send somebody Hey yo Go holler at old girl Tell her come holler at me For a minute then she became pregnant. Team out. Yeah. <laughs> then she became pregnant. And the true foolishness began. Then the true foolishness began. Then he he finds Uriah. Hey, go sleep with your wife. I'm gonna get you drunk. Not realizing Uriah was more faithful to him him than he was to Uriah. Yeah. He slept outside, got him drunk again. Yeah. And then turned around and sent Uriah back with his own death note. Like, can you imagine the captain of that? He reading a note, looking at your ride, That's like, say, bro, stuff. did you read this? We were, <laughs> like, we, we, were read, we were reading the Christmas story with the youth on Tuesday, <laughs> and we were we were reading Luke, and I was like, look, y'all, you need to catch this, because the Bible doesn't quite say it, so I want to make sure you understand, okay? King Herod was a snake. He was a Let's snake. Let's watch what King Herod David was just as bad. David right. was just as bad. Like, he like, so like, he was, do, put, he was putting you, some plans to this. Like, I'm going to send you with your own death certificate and not don't read it just hand it to your commander and I can see the hold on, I can see the commander reading that thing like he looking yeah say did you you didn't read this you sure oh <laughs> it's like hmm. bro you just handed me your own death certificate like you okay <laughs> do something that the king asked you to do like bro how you gonna you he, he walking happily down like oh, I got a message for the king bro it's your death warrant that's the message. But it was like, with not being in the right place at the right time, you create a situation to yes. where now you have to create a lie. Yeah. Not only do you have to create a lie, now you have to create a lie and you're going to add other people into your lie yeah. to cover a lie yeah. that if you just were in the right place at the right time when you were supposed to be, none of that stuff would ever happen. Yeah. I like. I was thinking about that when, Tommy, when you were talking earlier, you, you said two things. You said, and God delivered me from a... a, a a spirit of lying uh -huh. 
and and he delivered me from pornography. Well, those things went hand in hand. Yeah. They weren't two separate things. Yeah. It was like you have to stop the games and stop the line, and you have to be honest with yourself and with those around you what's going on before you can ever get free. That was my experience, yeah. right? Like struggling with with uh, pornography and masturbation. That was my experience. Like struggled with it for years in the church, knowing that I was wrong, feeling guilty and feeling like a sinner, and and always wanting to stop and stopping for brief periods of time, but I was getting pulled back and why can't I overcome this? I must not have enough faith. Why doesn't God hear me going through all of that mess? Yep. And all it really was was because I was keeping a secret. That's right. And as long as it was secret, it was going to be strong enough to overcome That's me. That's right. And it wasn't until I got understood that and actually was willing to, like you said, uh, be vulnerable be in vulnerable. front of other people whose yeah. opinion of me I cared about. And I had been afraid to tell them. I was afraid to let them know that I was failing because I thought it was going to change how they saw me. And, that, you know, all these different kinds of things um, that I was going to lose position or status or this is these are the things that keep most of our mouth shut. Yeah. Um, when I got to the point where I just I couldn't do it anymore and I just had to. That was when I started my journey to being free. Yeah. It wasn't until that point. You know, it's, it's just you have to be honest. Somebody, uh, the church we were at in New York, they used to always say, if you're doing what, if you're where you're supposed to be, along the lines of what you said, if you're where you're supposed to be and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you'll always have normal Thanksgivings. Mm-hmm. Meaning that if you switch, if you change that, you could have a knock at the door because some woman or some guy is looking to drop off their kid, your kid, because of a situation you had as a result of not being where you're supposed to be and doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to have regular Thanksgivings. <laughs> I don't want nobody coming to my what? house talking about take your daughter. Like, take your son. Whoa, whoa. Take it. Who are you? Who are you? Yeah, I was like, man, I, I got to be doing what I'm supposed to be and I'm, I have to be where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be a... Uh, I mean, the Thanksgiving thing definitely applies if you've been behaving yourself but right probably a little bit oversimplified because you know the bible also gives us the story of job so we understand that just because i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing and i'm where i'm supposed to be and i'm not engaging in stuff i shouldn't be engaging doesn't mean that crazy stuff isn't going to come up oh it'll come uh, up but uh I but got a story. It, it at least won't be of our own making but right. then but you, you see in the conversation between job and his friends that there was an assumption that, that job had caused this to happen right right and and so even in that he had to be like brutally honest and and go back and forth with his supposed friends for them to understand like I didn't bring this upon myself <laughs> I didn't do it now here's, here's a crazy story I had all, and I had just told somebody this this week um, I had auditioned for this uh, for this part this is when we were living in New York in New York I auditioned for this part. This high school was doing a play that they were going to get judged on. It was for a contest. Um, And I think I found the ad in like Craigslist or something. But I auditioned for this part. Get down to the school. To the high school. Get down to the high school. Sign in. They wanted my name, my email address, phone number. I go do the audition, do the reading. It was dope. A month later, all I did was do the audition, do the reading. That was it. A month later, 
sitting on the couch at home with my wife, and I think we had a friend there uh, too, and, and my cousin was there. My cell phone rings. My wife answers the phone. Somebody's on the other line. Yes, I speak to uh, Thomas Niblack. She was like, yes, uh, this is his phone. This is his wife, Mass, who's calling. She's like, this is so-and-so, um, and I'm calling uh, because he came down for an audition last month, and there was a, there was a bit of an issue. My wife's like, okay, what's the issue? She's like, well, I'm so-and-so's mom, and she told me that he told her he would give her $100 if she touches his penis. My wife said, what? He, would, he said, what? So she repeats the story again. My, m- mind you, I have no clue what's going on. Yeah. My, I just hear my wife saying, what? Excuse me? What? And she goes, and then finally she goes, did you tell somebody that you would give them $100 if they touched your penis? I was like, what? No. What are you talking about? Who, who are you talking to? She's like, remember that audition you did? Yeah. Well, they're saying that you told one of the high school kids that you would pay them this money. I was like, $100? Just to do that? I was like, babe, you know me. <laughs> you know I would not do... She was like, I know, this sounds ridiculous. So that was the situation. I was where I was supposed to be. I was doing what I was supposed to do. Nothing extracurricular. Yeah. Just did it, came home. And something crazy will try to pop off after that. Um, it seems it seemed to my wife at that time that that lady was calling all the people that applied uh, for that position, especially that had different area codes because mine was from upstate. Yeah, uh, they were calling them on trying to get money from them. So because um, oh, she was like, "I'll just take it to court." I was like, oh. "So that's a perfect example." It's 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 going to happen. Even stuff is going to happen. Even if you are where you're supposed to be. And you're doing what you're supposed to do. You just have to remember, hey, at, at that time, I, there was no lying because I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. Nothing happened. Yeah. I just had to let God take care of the situation, and he did. Yeah. Um, but in the instances where it was my fault, <clears throat> I always have to go back and say, nope, that was me. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I did it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We have to we have to know when to own up and when to shut up. <laughs> and when to own up and take responsibility like you were saying and I wanted to say when you were talking about that real men take responsibility. Yeah. If you did it, say you did it. Mm-hmm. Apologize for it. If you didn't do it, let God handle it. Yeah. He's going to make sure everything is going to be right yeah. in the end. Yeah. Yeah, you I mean the, the basic biblical process uh, uh, biblical um, viewpoint is like you can't you can't get free of anything that you don't put out in the light right ever right and, and there's there's no there's no truth there's no freedom there's no deliverance there's no uh, forgiveness there's no real repentance unless you put it out in the light and and I always go back to I always go to that, back to that verse in the Bible that's it's interesting um and I preached on this not that long ago, and the distinction that I made was uh, we repent to God. Yes. We confess to one another. We confess to one another. That's and right. what is the, why does the Bible say to do that? Healing. So that you may be healed. And to me, like when you're talking about things that we struggle with, whether it's anger in our life because of something that happened, you know, in our childhood or at some point in our life, uh, abuse, uh, molestation, uh, violence, whatever it might be, whether it's, um, 
temptation or or an addiction or uh, any of those types of things. It, it can be big, it can be small, it can be from our childhood, it can be from last week, last night, whatever. Um, we can't. We can be forgiven if we had a role in it. Right, yep. by going to God and repenting, but we don't get healed from it we unless confess. we put it into the light by confessing it to our yeah. brothers and sisters, so that they can pray for us. I and so, that. and so, I think what the pro- one of the reasons why I don't think I really start, I didn't start my journey of freedom until I was able to confess what I was dealing with to someone else was because I was being forgiven, mm-hmm. and my conscience was being pricked every time that I did it. I didn't like that I was living that way all of those things were true and so God was forgiving me right I was being washed clean I was being made righteous only to continue to struggle and I'm like why why aren't you healing me and God is saying in scripture because that's not the system I put in place for you to be healed of this type of thing I hope y'all heard that right hope you heard that so so you know if when we've been struggling with these things for so long and we miss that scripture what happens is we start to get frustrated with God Mm -hmm. we start to usually tear ourselves down well either way we either tear god down and we walk away from faith or we tear ourselves down and we create this image of ourselves we are so so terrible and lonely lowly and and despicable god doesn't even want me love me doesn't even hear me he's not answering my prayers so i must deserve this or i must have done something to earn this addiction or this this struggle or this hurt or this pain this anger uh this prison sentence whatever right and the whole thing is where we miss the fact that we we have to bring it into the light with our brothers and sisters and and we also (laughs) yo y'all we need to be those who are uh uh uh, trustworthy yes worthy of that trust and that confession right and that's part of the problem in churches we all be having big mouths for too long about too many things right did you hear about yeah exactly and that and all that that makes it so people feel like they can't confess to us but but i can go i can go i can go confess to a judge i can confess to a lawyer i can confess to my friend i can confess to uh i can confess to a, a counselor psychiatrist if if i'm not confessing to a brother or sister in christ who can pray for me yes i will not be healed yes and if i'm not healed then i will continue to struggle with this and continue to struggle with this and i think that that's really really key when you're dealing with any of these types of things is it's not enough just to uh uh recognize it and repent from it but we have to confess it right we have to bring it out into the open so that so that we can be healed the other thing that i want to touch on it is still going yeah as long as that little thing didn't pop up oh no it, it stopped did it stop it did you too yeah we have to do a part two uh two halves two Five halves for two heads, Five two heads. <laughs> what are some of the ways now for me not only was I lying to my wife but I was also lying to myself about what I was feeling um, uh, what I was thinking and I had it wasn't until I was honest and realized yo this is a situation that's going to make you think and do this is a situation that's going to cause you to you know you need to not do that because you don't want to go back to that old man. Now, how important was that for you guys being honest with yourselves and not just with other people? Yeah, I think I think that um, 
that goes to kind of the heart of like what what I wanted to get to with the idea of temptation today was um, like how do you how do you deal with things um, that we understand uh, in our conscience through the Holy Spirit we shouldn't be doing we we can feel that we can understand that mm-hmm. or we understand the biblical foundation of that and like like Jamie says not not necessarily this just on the don't do list of church right but like on the law that's written in our heart the law of Christ right um, but how do we deal with it when that thing starts to become or has become acceptable in the wider society. Yeah. Like right. so, so you know, so one of the things we deal with with pornography is it's just expected. Guys, all guys right? do it. What, what sociology and schools and uh, media tells us is like this is just something guys do, and that's okay. It's natural curiosity. It's natural sex, sexual expression. Um, you know, blah blah blah. It's, it's you know, it's not it's not that big of a deal. It's not a bad thing. Every guy deals with this, and so all of a sudden they're like the need to be free of it or the need to at least the need to be free of it to the point where I'm willing to confess it to somebody it lessens it it starts to be diminished because I start to justify to myself well it's okay it's acceptable like everybody does this so you know all these other guys who are pretending to be holy like me they probably do it too so like I'm cool and you know as long as I just I never actually like cheat with another woman I'm good you know like an actual other woman then you know I'm good and and my my marriage is fine and like these are the justifications that are much easier to make when it's something that has become socially acceptable. acceptable yeah. Have you heard that, that statistic that kids going into college now that the um, the rate of those freshmen having sex outside of marriage is dropping? Because of what they're now doing, because of the advent of social media and and um, how you can just hook up online, mm-hmm. you never really ever have to, you know. No, I haven't seen anything. Yeah, about that. the statistic is it's, it's dropping because uh, kids are rather would rather uh, have that virtual relationship than an actual relationship. So it's not. Some may think, oh, that's great. They're not having sex. Yeah, but they're when they do get into a relationship, <laughs> right. they're not going to know how to yeah. deal. Yeah, either. yeah. Well, that's the perfect misunderstanding. Like Javon was saying, that's that that's that perfect quintessential church. Like, well, they're they're not having sex. That's and it's like that's the problem. Y'all just put sex before marriage on the do not do list. Right. You don't even understand and why. Right. And you don't understand right. that that just shifting to some kind of digital relationship that's going to have the same heart ties. It's going to have the same emotional. <laughs> Impact is gonna have the you know the, the, it's just as bad. It's not it's any better or worse. As bad. Like the problem, the the reason that we're not supposed to have sex before marriage is not because of the physical act of sex. Like it, that's like the most minor part of it. And so we think, oh, if we can just get kids to stop having sex, I and mean, then we've accomplished something. No, you haven't. If they're just substituting something else, they have right. the same impact on people physically and emotionally and spiritually. Right? Because it all boils down to how you relate with someone else yes yeah. how you are relating this this has been so dope uh, we could talk for a long time about this but I hope this was a great conversation for you guys to be in on and like Jesse uh, always says if you have any questions send them to uh, faithchairpodcast at gmail.com faithsharepodcast at gmail.com or the Facebook page or the Facebook page all the time um, 
And uh, if you have any questions about this, if you have any topics that you would like us to discuss in the chair, um, shoot them over to us. We will consider them. Javen, it was awesome having you uh, with us today, man. And uh, first, you are the first person to ever get a cut other than Jesse on the face chair. That's dope. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Join us next time. Yes, please join us next time as Jesse and I tackle the question, where do we find our refreshing? It's going to be a great discussion. Until then, we'll see you next time on The The Face Chair.